Welcome to episode 107 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work of writer-director J.J. Abrams, as well as his greater Bad Robot universe. I'm your host for this week. My name is Marcelo Nostroza, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Matt Crandall. And on today's edition of the show, we'll be taking a look at Fringe. Season 3, episodes 12 through 13. The first episode up this week is the episode entitled Concentrate and Ask Again. Who in their right mind would kill a scientist? What have they ever done? Outlook hazy. Ask again later. So we'll have to find out how and why. But I like that this episode opens with Two things of note, one of them being the death of of this guy, as you allude to, which is an awesome, fringy death where a dude gets a mysterious package. He opens up this doll, blue dust goes in his face, and then his bones melt, just disintegrate away in one of the gruesome openings that is kind of reminiscent of previous fringe events that have happened in office buildings. So I really liked that when the guy, you know, it's his birthday, but it's also happy death day to him. We also, though, start near the beginning with Nina going into what looks like it could be like William Bell's secret office or some sort of thing like that. And she opens a safe and pulls out a copy of the First People book and takes a look at it. And it's held on for a long time so we're really getting it and this book is what helped led them to the pieces of the device so we know that there's some sort of information that this book is going to lead to that they think is going to be important in the long run the other small fun thing about that is when she goes into this room to open the safe there is a ton of books on a shelf and the camera holds on a parenting book by actual author dr spock which of course is a nod to the fact that this is william bell's massive dynamic secret room and he was played by leonard nimoy actual spock so i thought that was a a fun like little easter egg that was impossible to miss because the camera really did focus on it but one of those nice moments off the top before we start getting into this really big mystery of the week involving this toxin that disintegrates your bones and trying to figure out how this is somehow connected to everything else going on. Because up until this point, we have been on a run of episodes that were 99% mythology, very little mystery of the week. And this switches back to like 80% mystery of the week, 20% carryover. Was that jarring or did it feel natural for you, Marcelo, for us to switch back to that dynamic? It was nice to take a deep breath and get mythology, but but not so not so heavy. And the thing that I really liked about this episode is again, Walter's sins come home to roost. One of the, the individuals that the fringe team get 
to find this group of people who are attacking this uh, who are attacking this organization for some reason recruited these soldiers and dosed them with a chemical that later on in life affected their ability to have children the guy that the fringe team gets to find these people is a mind reader that was involved with the cortexafan trials and this poor guy has isolated himself in a cabin in the woods. The one guy that they get to help with this case of the week is directly connected with Walter's past. And I love how he interacts with the team and how he helps our Livia really get a good sense of what is happening in Peter's mind. Yeah, and that's the two main important things in this episode carrying forward are Olivia's insight into Peter's state of mind now and when Folivia was here. And that does come out through this storyline with Simon Phillips, who was a kid in the Cortexafan trials. And the other thing they want to remind us was Walter doing the Cortexafan trials was doing them on children. He was doing it on children and he was starting to go down a very bad road and become mad scientist Walter. This kid developed an ability to read minds. And when he could read Walter's mind, Walter could not have that kid around because he could see the evil plans forming in Walter's mind. So they booted him out of the trials. And the thing that they didn't account for is that as this kid got older, his power actually continued to develop and get worse so much so that he had to isolate because he could hear everyone's thoughts all the time. And in this, he, he helps them to try and track down what's going on with, as you mentioned, the soldiers who are angry that they were experimented on and their kids all died because they were born without bones. And we find out that he can't read Olivia because she is a Cortexa fan kid. So that provides him a few moments of clarity. But also the very interesting things are when he reads Walter's mind now, it is just unbearable. It's like a stew, a pot of stew over boiling with all of these ideas that the guy can't really get straight what's going on because Walter's brain is so crazy and broken that it's overwhelming to Simon. And that was really interesting. But also one of the, the key things is there is a moment where he does read Peter's mind and that comes back into play by the time the episode is over. But I thought bringing back the Cortexa fan kids, reminding us what a monster Walter used to be all while framing it as we're discovering that the monster Folivia might not be as monstrous or the other people didn't feel she was as monstrous as we did. So we do start to realize that, as you alluded to last week, she developed feelings for Peter, but Peter actually had some strong feelings for her that are not present for this version of Olivia. What are you thinking, Marcelo, as this is starting to come out during the episode? I really like how this first episode that we talked about, this first episode that we're talking about now, sort of leads into the second episode that we're going to talk about here in just a few moments. 
There's one last thing that I would like to mention about this episode. There's a really small moment when Peter gets our Olivia a cup of coffee. And the director of this episode does something really, really cool. He focuses in on the cup. The box that's checked on the coffee cup is milk, right? And as our Olivia drinks the cup of coffee, she says nothing. But the way that she reacts when she swallows the, the cup of coffee is like, did this guy get my coffee wrong? So I, I really, really like that scene. And that really um, illustrated to me that Peter still has lingering feelings for full Olivia. What did you think about that really small moment? I would argue that I didn't think it was a small moment because they show that cup so clearly that immediately we know what it is. I felt that the minute they showed that milk was checked, I was like, this is fucking faux Olivia's order. This isn't how Olivia Dunham takes the coffee. And they don't reveal that she's mad about that until 20 minutes later. But I thought it was very obvious. But it's not a small moment, I would only argue, because it leads to the bigger conversation later in the episode, where key moment of this episode entirely is that she says, that was her order, not mine which you knew me for much longer than you knew her. You know I take coffee black. So obviously, you're still thinking about her. And Peter tries to justify it. And as he's tap dancing, I, I like what he says, but it's also narcissistic and kind of bullshit because we know that he is, at this point, trying to save face. And he says, yeah, I noticed different things about her. I noticed she was quicker to smile. I know she had the, the rudest thing is he's like, I noticed that she was a happier and more fun person to be around. But I thought that that was me bringing it out in you. A person who hasn't shown these traits almost ever in our relationship. But I thought it was my influence on you that was making these things come out. And so I didn't read it as being wrong. I thought it was actually like, I was giving you a boost and lifting you up. And that's what I was seeing. And I, I understand. And that's like the best way they could put it to, to try and soften the blow, but it almost makes it worse to me. So what are you thinking as Peter, this is his, his big speech about like, I noticed all the differences, but I thought it was because we were together that you were getting some good D. So you were smiling more like you. I really found his response to Olivia once she called him out in this episode. I really found his response to be saccharine and sort of uh, non-sufficient. It, it wasn't sufficient. It really sounded like he was backing up and it really sounded like he wasn't, he was listening, but he was sort of avoiding, right? And I really, really want that moment when Peter falls on his sword because he's been very apologetic, but he really, to, to me, he hasn't had that moment where he falls on his sword. Unfortunately, I think the moment when he falls on his sword is going to come here in the weeks to come where he might be in, in a predicament, let's say. I haven't had that moment. So that's, so that scene from Peter's point of view played very, played very not genuine to me like you. Yeah. It just felt a little bit performative and 
bookending this episode, it opened with Nina pulling out the copy of the First People book. It closes with Nina going to the bowling alley to see our buddy Sam Weiss. And she says to him, hey, man, I've been checking out the First People books. Motherfucker, you wrote these. <laughs> and she's she's like, what? And uh, he was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I also do that on the side as well as disinfecting bowling shoes. But she says, okay, so what is this device that this book has laid out and that we have assembled all of these pieces? And Sam says, Peter Bishop is the guy that can use this device. And our problem is that Peter Bishop will dictate the fate of the universe. But then he goes even further and he says, he will not only decide which universe survives the way he's going to decide is because it will be whether he loves Olivia Dunham or Folivia more. And it will be that version of Peter, the lover who decides which universe to destroy and which to save. And we cut from this explanation to Olivia reading the message that Simon wrote down after he read Peter's mind that says he still has feelings for her. So what are you thinking, Marcelo, as we're learning that Peter Bishop's sexual wants are going to decide the fate of the entire universe? I really love the relationships in Bad Robot, as I've said constantly on the show. But the fact that the writers have fully leaned into the Olivia Peter relationship and the way that they're baking it into the show is making me happy, but it's also making me really, really nervous because I would think that Peter would put his feelings for our Olivia aside to save the world that he is most comfortable in. But then again, human, but then again, human interaction really plays a big part uh, when people are put into stressful situations, people can do amazing things when they are put up against the when they are put up in incredible situations and in in very stressful situations. And sometimes the thing that carries them through to surviving or accomplishing what they want to accomplish, is the way they feel about the person that they love. So with that being said, it works, but I thought it was I thought it was leading a little bit too much into the shipping of our Olivia and and Peter, which from me sounds funny. Yeah, definitely as someone who is a shipper, the fact that they're leaning into that and now making it a universe destroying event is something unexpected and interesting as we fly into the next episode that takes us over there. We move on to the final episode that we are going to talk about this week. The episode is entitled Immortality. I really loved the opening of this uh, of this um, case of the week over there because it starts off at the Empire State Building and uh, for those of you who aren't, uh, uh, you know, Americans, 
the Empire State Building has this 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 sort of rod and this observation deck. And originally, when it was first designed, it was designed for uh, uh, as a docking station for zeppelins to dock and for people to get off. And I really love how uh, the opening sequence of this episode uses that concept and shows us what that concept would be like. I thought it was just perfect. It's definitely cool because we have established in previous episodes that Zeppelin travel is still something that they pursued in the alternate universe and is now adopted widely, which is definitely different from our universe. And aside from us going over there and seeing that, we also established quickly that Lincoln Lee has taken over the Broyles position because their Broyles, we know he's dead, but they just think he went missing. And I I love that Lincoln gets a bump up. We see faux Livia back in the fold at work. Their mystery of the week is about these weird bugs that are gestating in people's bodies, which is very much like episodes we have had on our side where, you know, that ship full of people who were gestating those weird creatures, squid things that had to be taken out. And we've done bugs stuff in previous episodes on our side as well. So I like that that's the main mystery of the week, but it really takes a backseat to all the character dynamics, which are way more interesting at this point, because a couple of the key moments in this are about Folivia reunited with her boyfriend um, after being apart for a few months. And we find out that he is thinking of proposing and of course, he runs it by the fringe team who then immediately tell Folivia, like, your dude's going to get down on one knee. What are you going to do? So I thought that was interesting. But also the really interesting thing is that early in the episode, we see Walternet and Brandon working and they are working on Cortexafan that they have gotten the recipe from when our Olivia was there. They've figured out what this is. And. Brandon says, look, we have these subjects. They can do cool things like telepathy. We see a guy levitating some books and things, but they die. They die. And Brandon says, I think this guy lasted the longest. And it's because he was actually the youngest subject we've tested on. So if we go even younger, if we go to kids, this shit will take. This will work. And Walter and it says, no way in hell. We are never doing that. That is something that is not even on the table showing that this version of Walter has a line that our beloved Walter crossed. So it's really interesting. What are you thinking as we're getting this insight into Walter that we know, obviously, his plan is to destroy our universe, but seeing that he won't cross that line and has some sort of limit. What are you thinking, Marcelo, as that is revealed in this episode? I really enjoyed that a lot because up until now, Walternet to us didn't have any limits. And the fact that he has limits because his son was taken by our version of Walter, who who has done all sorts of fucked up things and is the and is the you know and is the grandmaster of this whole of this whole fucking thing. So I really enjoyed that Walternet said to Brandon, who, 
who I don't understand why that idiot is still alive. He needs to die. Um, but, you know, but, but, but with all due respect to the actor, because he's wonderful. But long story short, I really appreciated that we got to see a human side to Walter Net in the form of him having boundaries uh, when it comes to doing no testing on children. The way that Lincoln reacts to Fo Olivia getting getting um, getting proposed to really really ticks me off, and the way that he sort of the way that he spoils the surprise really ticks me off. And you know why it ticks me off? Because I know where his story is going, and I'm like, why are you acting like this? Are you acting like this because? You want her to run away from you? You want her to subconsciously run away from you? Or you think if you force her away from you, she's magically going to come back to you? Which is kind of funny because in the end, that's what she does. But that, but for a completely different reason that I'm sure we're going to get to. Yeah, he definitely, definitely plays it a little awkward and it really gives off big... I'm in love with my best friend and can't tell her energy in that moment when he's like, just so you know, this asshole's thinking of doing this thing. So I thought that was interesting. And I like that Olivia is wrestling with what she's going to do, knowing that Frank is going to propose. And she says yes. And we can tell the minute that she says yes, that this is is more like a, I don't want to crush this guy at this moment, so I will just say yes and then try and get myself off the hook somehow. And the somehow does come by the end of the episode. But as they are investigating this bug thing, there's a funny interaction where they go to a lab and Bug Girl is obsessed with Charlie. And that was really funny. And Charlie is really put out because Charlie has bugs inside of him. Um, in this universe, rather than, you know, what happened with Charlie in our universe. So I thought that was really funny and, and fun. But also, they're giving him a hard time. But that girl was cute. Go for it, man. Creepy bug girl. Go for it. Uh, so I like that. But as we go, there is a moment where we think that Olivia, faux Olivia, has been infected with the bugs. And they send her to the hospital to hopefully get checked out and get this bug situation taken under control because she's having a bit of abdominal pain and we think she's been infected. As the episode goes, the scientist reveals that he is actually the one infected and he is the final solution. And so we, we deal with that, that storyline wraps up and then they're like, well, then what the hell's up with faux Olivia? We sent her to the hospital because she's got weird stuff going on where finally, of course it is revealed what we have had hints of, this whole time she is pregnant with Peter Bishop's baby. This revelation is not that surprising or upsetting to her, but obviously Frank is like, da fuck. I haven't seen you in months. So the fact that you're six weeks along, who did you cheat on me with? And do you love him? And she's like, uh, kind of. So that shuts that down. Um, what are you thinking as it's revealed that Folivia is still in love with Peter and now she's also fixing to be his baby mama? Matt and I have been very, very critical of Folivia. I have been more supportive of Folivia and Matt has been, you know, you know, 
more more uh, more inclined to give her the scarlet letter and burn her in effigy uh, uh, in most instances. So I really like it that for Olivia at the end of this episode loses everything and is left with nothing. Also, I'm really interested to see how she's going to interact with the secretary now, because at the very, very end of this episode, the secretary comes to her apartment and basically says, you know, I understand that you're pregnant. I don't want you to worry about your position in Fringe Division because it's going to go nowhere. Because after all, you are carrying my grandchild. So that line from Walter Net makes me really nervous. And that makes me wonder, is is for Olivia being pregnant now? Is that going to cause her to really understand that although this is the only life that she has known, although um, although this is the only life that she has known, is that going to make her make a choice that leads her to our side and empath- and and sympathizing with our Livia, just because she is a mother now, so she's going to start protecting her child over her loyalties to her universe. So I'm very interested to see how that is going to work. How do you think that's going to play out? Yeah, it'll be interesting because being a parent definitely will change the way that she views, you know, life in general. And I'm sure that can ripple to how she views death in general and wiping out an entire universe without doing the research about whether that's a good thing or not. So I think that will be an interesting dynamic going forward. As you said, she loses everything only then to gain the undying support of Walternate, who says, like, I got you, girl. We'll take care of you because you're carrying my grandchild. And as that's happening, we also found out in the scene right before, Brandon says, I think I have a way to suck Peter back into this. So I think that there's a way for us to reach over there and bring him here. So that also sets more things in motion. That, yes, Peter is on our side and we think it's all good, but Brandon thinks they have a way to forcefully bring him to their side and what that would entail and what our fringe team would have to do to try and balance the scales if that goes down is also a lot of interesting things that we we sort of end this on going forward. I think that'll do it for this edition of Radio 815. Listen, guys, if you like what we do here at all and you want to reach out to us to tell us how awesome we are, um, there are multiple ways to do that. First, you can just reach out to us on Twitter by using the hashtag Radio 815, or you can reach out to us on our personal Twitter account. It's JJUniverse815. If you want to speak to me personally, you can also reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88. But Matt, if the good folks at home want to reach out to you about anything at all, uh, we'll be the best place for them to do that. On Twitter, at Matt Crandall. All right, guys. So until next week, thank you so much for listening. As always, we'll talk back soon. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.